Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Cool Down with Abhay and this was actually an episode that I was planning to do later on in the podcast series but due to due to the passing away of PK Banerjee and Chinni Goswami I wanted to sort of do this as a tribute to them as they were part of the legendary Indian team that won the 1962 Asian Games which I will get to in this episode so stay tuned for that and i'm basically going to be covering how football was introduced in india the famous clubs and tournaments of india all until the present time and the situation we face in in india football right now and a lot of what i'm going to be speaking about is inspired by this book barefoot the boots by novi kapadia and if you would want to learn more about indian football in detail i would highly suggest to read this book because it's really informative and i learned most of what i did from this about the the past in india football so let's get right into the episode Football was introduced in India by British regimental teams and they did a really good job in spreading the game across the country. And the first official club of India was Calcutta Football Club which was founded in 1870s but only the British middle class were actually allowed to be a part of this team. The first footballing governing body of our country was known as the Indian Football Association or the IFA and it was founded in 1893. They used to have a tournament called the IFA Shield, which was uh, which held the likes of Mohan Bagan, Mohan Bagan, uh, Sporting, Bangalore Muslims, and other British regimental teams. The tournament was covered in England, Australia, and of course India. And uh, the first time an Indian side actually won this tournament was Mohan Bagan, and it was in 1911. And it was a nationalistic symbol of Hindu and Muslim unity, at least on the football field. Football is a great level of sport in our country as it enjoyed a huge fan following across different class divides. And in the 60s, Indian players were actually rated so highly that four of them uh, qualified for the Asian All-Star 11 in the 1966 where in 1966 where they played the likes of Stoke City and Leicester City. The most historic coverage of our football was in September 1977 when New York Cosmos with the likes of Pere visited Kolkata and played a match against Mohan Bagan. One of the oldest football rivalries in world football is none other than Mohan Bagan versus East Bengal. This derby goes all the way back until 1924 and it still draws large audiences to this day. Uh, world Soccer magazine in 2015 has rated this derby in World football's top 50 derbies, and FIFA has acknowledged that this third, this match is uh, one of the most attended games in world club football. So I feel that this is something that every Indian should know of and one day go and experience themselves. I haven't had the opportunity to do that yet, but I hope to one day. And this is actually a uh, this topic of the Kolkata derby. I could actually do a whole ten-minute episode on this, and maybe I will do that in the future. But let's get back to our. Episode. The Indian national team of 1962 is considered India's greatest ever football team. Uh, they went on to win the 1962 Jakarta uh, Asian Games, and the team was led by uh, India's most successful coach to to this day, Sir Syed Abdul Rahim. He had a win percentage of 61.9, which was coupled with half a dozen uh, trophies, which made him. which held him responsible for indian dominance in the 50s and 60s era pradeep kumar of pk banerjee 
had a burst of pace and could shoot lethally from both of his feet. This made him a, a kind of player that defenders were scared to face. Uh, he would eventually end his career as India's all-time goal scorer, highest goal scorer, which would eventually be taken away from him until 1980s. Jhulli Goswami. You could argue that he is probably one of the most skillful players that India has ever seen till this day. And he was a master dribbler and a prolific goal scorer. His record of 145 goals in the regional Kolkata Football League will likely to never be broken. Uh, during his best years, he even got an offer from the club Tottenham Hotspur, which he had declined. And something that I really like about him, which you don't see in Indian football these days, is he was a one-club man and he played with Mohan Bagan throughout his entire career. The only team he played for, other like played football for other than Mohan Bagan, was for the national team, which I think all of us can respect that. The final t- team of 16 players that had left for the Asian Games in 1962 had a mixture of uh, youth and experience and some players who had already had experience playing in the Olympics and previous Asian Games. Uh, the team was captained by Chunni Goswami and he was selected as captain as the team left for Jakarta on 15th August of 1962 as we celebrated our Independence Day. Playing our first major final in 11 years, we were drawn against our then arch-rivals South Korea. India had never beaten them before and we had in fact lost against them in our first game of the 1962 Games. They were the defending Asian Cup uh, champions, having sealed their second consecutive title in 1960. 4th September 1962 would be a golden day in Indian football era. There was a 100,000 crowd at the Senyan, Senyan Stadium in Jakarta, which was strongly anti-Indian. They, they booed at every touch and every attack that we had. And even, during, even before the game, during our national anthem, they were making noise and majorly disrespecting our anthem but our players fought through it they didn't let any of that bother them and came out as winners in the end. India's success at this tournament actually earned them the title by footballers around the world as Brazil of Asia and there is a movie about this fantastic team uh, being, which was scheduled to be released at the end of this year I don't know due to, due to corona if it would happen or not but it's called Maidan and it tells it tells the story of the golden era of Indian football between 1952 to 1962 which I would highly suggest everybody to watch because I'm looking forward to it myself I think we can all learn a lot about Indian football from this and uh, I think it's worth mentioning that Banerjee and Goswami were both conferred the Padma Shri Award, which is one of the highest civilian awards granted by the Indian government. And uh, something I actually did not mention earlier was that uh, Chunni Goswami, not only is he a fantastic footballer, but he was a, a cricketer as well, and, uh, who has played in the Ranchi Trophy. Let's talk about the FIFA World Cup. So this is a fu- not not a fun fact, but a fact worth knowing. India is the largest population to have never ever participated in the World Cup, which is disappointing. So although the first World Cup in 1930 was hosted in Uruguay, after two more World Cups, the tournament was eventually cancelled because of the World War that took place at that time, and it got restarted in 1950 at Brazil, which was the first World Cup post-World Cup era and India was actually invited to this tournament and legend has it that uh, we actually pulled out of the tournament because we we could only we were playing barefoot and we couldn't afford equipment and that's why we didn't go but the fact of the matter is that 
the football federation of india at the time did not prioritize the world cup and they actually thought that the olympics was a tournament which had more prestige and they chose to participate in that over the world cup which is why we are still suffering on that front today so some of the major historic trophies that has happened in indian football which you should probably know about is the duran cup the rovers cup so proto cup the nehru cup and the santosh trophy so let's talk about the duran cup the duran cup is india's oldest football tournament it was founded by sir henry mortimer durand and it was founded in 1888 it is the third oldest football tournament in the entire world only uh, it only comes after the english fa which is in 1872 and the FA Cup in Scotland which was in 1878 it was india's most prestigious football tournament and the uh, first indian team to actually break the british streak of winning the tournament was mohammedan sporting in 1940 mohammedan sporting was the first club to actually match the british in terms of physical fitness and stamina and strength post independence this tournament has actually been hosted in delhi and it is hosted by the indian national army and the armed forces deserve a lot of credit to keep for keeping the Duran Cup tradition alive over the decades in 2006 the Oceans Art House took over the running and the management of the entire tournament uh, which includes prize money the tv coverage the quality of football souvenirs pr- uh, produced and, have, and the entire tournament had uh, improved dramatically So the Rovers Cup. The Rovers Cup was formed by British football enthusiasts that were living in Mumbai in 1891. Initially when the tournament started it only included football teams from the British army and they were the only people who were allowed to play. During the early 1910s a team called Bengal United a team consisting of Indian soldiers played the tournament during the first World War but the team eventually fizzled out and was no more. In 1923 Indian civilian football clubs were actually allowed to participate in this tournament and Mohan Bagan made it to the finals that year. But the dream of an Indian winning the tournament uh, remained unfulfilled until the barefoot uh, men of uh, Bangalore Muslims eventually created history at Bombay's Cooper Stadium 15 years later. The match was a thriller and more than 20,000 people had gathered at the stadium to watch the two Indian teams face each other. It was the Bangalore Muslims and Mohammedan Sport FC uh, who had reached the finals after beating all the British regimental teams which I think is a proud moment. So despite the name Bangalore Muslims uh, the team was actually diverse including non-Muslims and the Congress party in Bangalore held a huge reception to celebrate the team's victory as they felt that they represented a sense of secularism and national ethos involving all major communities of our country for Congress it strengthened that claim that India should remain an undivided and secular country post independence So the last time the trophy was actually held was in 2000-2001 season where Mohan Bagan actually beat Churchill Brothers uh, which is a Goa football team 2-0 in the final and the tournament was no more after that but FIFA's current FIFA which is the governing body of football in Maharashtra is currently making efforts to try and renew this tournament for the people of Mumbai The Nehru Cup is India's first international tournament hosted by us and the picture you see in front of you is from a match in 1984 where India had lost 1-0 to the Argentina team which was captained by Diego Maradona although he did not actually take part in the game. The tournament was started in 18, 1982 by the AIFF to give our players international exposure. It was held in Kolkata and uh, the tournament hosted the likes of Italy, Korea, Yugoslavia, China and Uruguay. 
It was held regularly uh, until 1977 and the tournament eventually shut shop due to lack of sponsorship and it was revived in 2007 and it was hosted in uh, capital Delhi and it uh, India emerged champions of the tournament for the first time beating Syria in that same year. Uh, the tournament was is in 2017 the tournament was eventually replaced by the Hero Tri Nation series. So now let's talk about the Santosh trophy. I'm sure this is a trophy that all of us are well aware about because it's a it's a state, it's a knockout football competition contested by the regional state associations and government institutions under the AIFF. The tournament was started in 1941 and it was named after the president of the IFA at the time, Sir Man Sir Manmata Roy Chowdhury of Santosh. The trophy was designed in such a way where there are three trophies. There's a Santosh trophy which goes to the winners, a Kampala trophy goes to the runners-up, and the Sampangi trophy goes to the third place. So due to India's large population, the tournament is actually split into zonal areas where it is north, south, east, west, and northeast. And it's designed in such a way where you have group stage, and then you have uh, quarterfinals, semifinals, and then a final. So the Subroto Cup. The Subroto Cup is an inter-school international football tournament that is uh, that was started in 1960, and it takes place in Delhi. Uh, students from across Asia participate in this tournament, and it, it was actually named after Indian Air Force Air Marshal Subroto Mukherjee. The tournament has seen the likes of football legend Pele, who actually attended the event in 2015. So the first thing I was wondering when I was doing my research on Indian football was. If we were so high up and so well respected in the world football community, what happened and how did we go to the situation where we have West, where we're trying so hard to get back up into that situation? So, in the old days, it was a huge supporter base across class divides that enabled Indian football to survive without sponsorship until most of the 20th century. In the old days, it was a huge supporter base that actually enabled our sport to survive in India without uh, without sponsorships up until the 20th century. Uh, all major tournaments thrived on ticket sales and on-ground uh, advertisements. Uh, at, at, at that point, homegrown players were the people's idols and they were our heroes for the local population. People filled up stadiums across the entire country from whether you go to North India, you go to South India, it didn't matter. The people filled up stadiums to watch football and look up to their heroes. Before satellite television, coverage of European football and World Cups and all that were impossible to watch in India. So if people wanted to watch football, it was the Indian leagues that you were watching and that's why they got to idolize those guys. But if you are like me and you grew up post that era and you grew up watching European football, we mostly weren't, didn't get to hear about these people, at least in my situation. And uh, I feel that this is basically because of the commercialization of the sport and when TV came in and we got we got we were, got the opportunity to actually see these guys we lost the opportunity to watch our own domestic players on TV with the same quality that we watched those European players. So the National Football League of India or the NFL was started in 1996 and it was later renamed as the I-League in 2007. It ran on a home and away basis throughout the entire country and held teams from Kolkata, Goa, Bangalore, Kochi, uh, Chennai and Punjab. Uh, the league struggled with infrastructure issues and unprofessionalism within the clubs. And uh, India had very few stadiums with floodlights, so most of the matches had to be held in the afternoon times which restricted viewership due to people being at schools, colleges and work. 
Although Mohan Bagan and East Bengal were able to draw large crowds regularly to their stadiums to watch their matches, the same wasn't the case for the other I-League clubs at the time. Increased visibility in the coming years of the I-League had enabled clubs to attract sponsorships and drive their drive money and increase their budgets into the club and drive money into the sport. Uh, wages in domestic football was very minimal and players couldn't even afford uh, to have their own cars and they all had to take their they, uh, they all had to take public transport after the time. And fortunately, now that now all of that has changed, and players are now full-time professionals that expect monetary returns for the hard work they put into the game. In the last five years, clubs have started springing out from all sorts of places in the country, and a new generation of owners that have grown up watching European clubs and how well-run their clubs and leagues are have started their own clubs over here and. Started running them in a more professional manner. We've seen so many great stories arise from the league, like Real Kashmir, Aswal FC, Naroka, Chennai City, Minerva Punjab, and Kokolam Kerala. Aswal FC have shown everyone how to successfully win a league title with a mixture of homegrown talent and properly scouted players, a formula that clubs like Minerva Punjab and Chennai City have adopted with great success. With teams from North, South, East, West, North, East, the I League finally looks like a good representation of Indian football and Indian talent from all across the entire country. So, IMG Reliance in 2010 signed a 15 year agreement with the AIFF worth 700 crore rupees, one of the most lucrative deals in Indian sports. The deal granted them exclusive commercial rights to sponsorship, advertising, broadcasting, merchandising, video, franchising, and the right to create a whole brand new league. ISL was later launched by IMG Reliance and the broadcasts will start India in October 2013. The tournament has brought about a financial revolution in our country and has helped to upscale the status of football in our country ever since its inception in 2013. Uh, players, our top players of our country now participate in this league and their, their wages have increased substantially since before. The league has attracted many foreigners and even some World Cup winners with the likes of Del Piero, Nicolas Anelka, uh, Robert Perez, Dimitar Berbatov, uh, Diego Forlan and many many more. So the tournament eventually started with 8 franchises from different cities which were Delhi, Goa, Chennai, Kolkata, Kerala, Guwahati and Pune and Mumbai. The league saw major investment from cricketers like Sachin Tendulkar and Saurabh Ganguly and even Bollywood stars like Johnny Abraham and Ranveer Kapoor along with I-League clubs and a few other companies from our country. Delhi Dynamos were one of the pioneers of the league but eventually shut shop and moved cities and renamed the entire club to Odisha FC and are now based in Odisha. Uh, Bengaluru FC and Jamshedpur FC uh, joined the league in 2017-18 campaign and Hyderabad FC has replaced Pune City uh, in 2019 campaign. So the ISL is currently a closed league and it does not which means that it does not involve any promotion or relegation system. Teams play each other twice throughout the entire season on a home and away basis and at the end of the league season you have a top four which qualify for the knockout stage where you have a semi-final and a final. Uh, the semi-final is again a two-legged semi-final where you play home and away and overall the tournament has two winners currently you have a league winner and you have a final winner which is of the group stage or of the knockout stage average attendances in 2015 went up to 26000 which was third in the world only after the premier league and the and the bundesliga but unfortunately there's been a major dip in attendances uh, the, the years passing by but eventually last season came back up 
so we're still trying to find our way back up to those standards. The Hero Super Cup is an annual tournament which is played among the top 10 of the I-League and the ISL teams. Uh, the first edition of this tournament was in 2018 and Bengaluru FC eventually came out as the first ever winners of the tournament. All of the matches in the final round were played in a knockout format which meant that if there was a draw after 19 minutes, there would be extra time and then penalties after that. For Indian football fans, this tournament is a really interesting tournament as it brings together both the ISI and I League teams to participate against each other. And for me personally, I feel like it's a really, really attractive tournament because there's no you remove the money divide that the two leagues have right now and you get to see the quality on the football pitch between the two and you actually realize that there isn't that much of a difference. Last year's edition of the tournament had a lot of controversy because six I-League teams actually pulled out of the tournament and this year, in the uh, previous year, it couldn't be played due to the national team's fixtures that came in the way of the tournament. I'm personally looking forward to whenever the next campaign of the Super Cup is. Last year, we were able to actually see some ID clubs defeat some ISL clubs with the likes of Chennai City FC beating both Bengaluru FC and FC Pune City FC. FC Pune City from the ISL. Uh, and uh, things like this happening is actually why I feel like this tournament, more than any of them, has so much potential to it. So the I-League and the ISL have been running simultaneously for the past two years and this has caused a lot of dilemma in terms of the Asia spot. So only the winner of the domestic uh, top tier championship can qualify for the Asia championship. So uh, in the past few years, the I-League has had the right to qualify for the Champions League which meant the I-League champions would become would get qualified for the AFC Champions League. But the ISL wants this slot as well as they claim to be the top uh, tier league of the country. Uh, so this confusion has led to a lot of uh, controversy in the footballing world in India. The AFC had eventually allowed the ISL and the I-League to finish out the 2018-19 campaign with, uh, with them promising to come up with a concrete plan to a roadmap for the unified system of 2019 and 20 season and beyond, which is what you can currently see. Currently, the ISL League stage winner will get the AFC Champions League Crusade spot and the runners-up in the league gets the AFC Cup spot. The winner of the ISL this year will be awarded a place in the AFC Cup playoffs this season and the I-League winners get their direct entry to the AFC group stage. There is a five-year roadmap which shows a pathway for promotion allocation format to eventually be put into place and it also includes two I-League teams being added into the next season after paying a franchise fee. The Indian Women's League is the top division of Women's Professional Football League in India. The most recent season was hosted at the Bangalore Football Stadium a few months ago. The league is run by the All India Football Federation and it consists of 12 teams from some I-League teams have invested into women's clubs like Kankri FC and Gokulam Kerala along with many more new clubs. The teams have split into two groups and the best two teams from each of the groups will face each other in the semi-final followed by the final which will determine the winner. A total prize lakh of 10 lakhs is on offer at the moment for the winner of the IWL. From the previous season, all, all of the matches are live streamed on AIFF's official Facebook page and there are two league matches held in a day with noon and 3pm kickoff. On February 14th of this year, uh, Gokulam Kerala lifted the IWL trophy after defeating Krifsa FC 3-2 in the final at Bangalore. They received a, a really massive reception by the Gokulam Kerala fans during a 
uh, men's match. Uh, the team was brought onto the pitch and they got the opportunity to receive a massive reception by the Kerala fans. A huge milestone for women's football happened recently when Bala Devi got the opportunity to become the first Indian woman to play in a professional league outside of India after signing an 18-month deal with Rangers FC. In fact, she grabbed a goal and an assist in her very first pre-season game. The Indian women's national team is currently ranked 57 and has gone up to 49 before and there is a lot of potential for our ranking to go up even higher. I personally feel that we have a higher chance in seeing our women's football team in the World Cup before we see our men's football team in the World Cup. So I really wish people would pay more attention to this league and invest more money into it and we start seeing our women in the World Cup. For many years, the Premier League has been the most watched league in the country in terms of football. And even even when you look at the Premier League viewership, after the people watching it in England, the second most highest viewership comes from India, which shows us that the passion and the love for the game very much exists and is only increasing and growing exponentially. So the fans over here know the reserve teams of like Manchester United, Chelsea, City, you know the reserve teams, you know the youth teams, but we don't even know a starting level of our Indian national team. In the past, we've had teams, we've had players like Bajam Bhatia, Gurpi Singh Sandhu, and Sunil Chetri who've gone abroad and had a whiff of European football and come back and shown us that Indian football is indeed making these huge strides and we can only go higher from here. All of this is a simple validation that Indian football is making huge steps and we are improving. There is a lot more talent in our country with the likes of Sandesh Jingan, Udanta, and a lot more. Our current ranking of the Indian national team is 108 and we can only go higher from here. We rejoice at the medals and achievements that our athletes make at tournaments, yet we forget to support them and encourage them when they're going through a bad patch. We dream and we desire of having a football team that, that we can cheer on at the World Cup, but we do very little to actually contribute to that dream as fans. It is so unfortunate that our the captain of our Indian national team, Sunil Chetri, has to plead on social media in order to get people to come and support our Indian national team at the stadium. World Cup qualifying game against Omar and Sunil Chetri had to resort to asking people on social media to come and attend the game. It's really disheartening and discouraging and it shows our lack of confidence in our national team. And being a fan, you should be there during these bad times. And if you want to insult the team, go to the fucking match and go insult the team. But just sitting at home and shitting on our game in India is not the way of showing support at all. I just want to end by saying let's be the support our team deserves and not turn a blind eye to the steady strides that our country is making in the sport. And we should be rushing and cheering our teams on at the stadiums. Go support your local club and your national team especially. It's time to show that football matters in this country as much as cricket or any other sport. Let's do this.